Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The game is over when the final buzzer sounds. The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 chair. Elects not to shoot. Pressure by Gerard. Then threw him aside to the net. Back door. One timer score. Connor McDavid ends the game. Leon Dreisaitl for the second time tonight. A brilliant maneuver in the offensive zone. McDavid finishes. And Edmonton wins 3 2 in overtime. Connor McDavid's fourth career overtime winner. The Edmonton Oilers edge the Colorado Avalanche 3 2. McDavid and Dreisaitl each finishing with a goal and an assist. Dreisaitl showing off his power and his touch tonight for the second straight game at Rogers Place. A goaltender makes over 40 saves and loses. It was Cam Talbot against Boston two days ago. Tonight, Semyon Varlamov outstanding 43 saves, but the Oilers able to keep the pressure up and get the win. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, it's 9.52. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. From the Olympics, Caitlin Osmond, who trains at West Edmonton Mall, will win either a silver or a bronze in women's figure skating. She sits second with the final skater currently on the ice. Osmond with a great free skate, two-footed one landing for the only real error in it. She skated very well, so there will be a gold here, or pardon me, a medal for an Edmonton athlete at the Olympics. It's going to be silver or bronze and likely, likely bronze, a bronze this Russian skater is She's outstanding. good. Both Russians are, are fantastic. Uh, she came in third after the short program and I think she's going to hold on to it and get a bronze medal. And as you said, she was fantastic in her skate tonight. Okay, so the Oilers win at 3-2. They dominated the first period, both territorially and on the shot clock. 19-8 the shots. They kept it up through most of the second period. Dreisaitl scored a great goal. Individual effort weaving through the Colorado defense. Cassian bagged one off a strong forecheck. That was with 5.27 left in the second. And then the Colorado Avalanche started to to play like a team desperate for points that they need in the playoff race. They got two goals in a minute nine, one late in the second period and one early in the third period. And then a uh, few chances both way in the third. The, the tension and the checking ramped up a, a little bit the rest of the third. And then in overtime, McDavid and, and Dreisaitl, who each almost set up Clefbaum earlier in the overtime, are able to finish it for the 3-2 win. Well, actually, they both did sl- set up Clefbaum. Yeah, each Clef- on different plays. Yeah. Clefbaum just wasn't able to, to to pull the trigger on either one. You know, for the first 35 minutes of this hockey game, there was one team on the ice. Yeah. The Oilers absolutely dominated. And, and Colorado, once they fell behind 2-0, uh, put something together. They score a late goal. And in the third period, I thought the third period was exciting. Mm-hmm. You know, both teams had a number of chances. Both goalies had to make big saves. Uh, you 
you saw some high-end skill. I mean, every time McKinnon was on the ice, it was a goal-scoring chance. Uh, and then McDavid and Drysaddle were, were just, uh, you know, this was the chemistry was showing tonight. And it was just a matter of time for the puck to go in for them. Uh, another player that I thought, well, I thought a few other guys stood out tonight. I thought Slepyshev played well in his, his, his time tonight. And I thought that might have been Cassian's best game that he's had this year. I thought he was outstanding on the forecheck. And every time his line was out there, with Pugliarvi and, and I believe Latesti most yep. of the night, uh, they were in the offensive zone creating chances. So that line was very good. The Oilers got, they kept momentum going whenever the McDavid dry set a line started it. Cassie in the fourth start of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. The three stars and pretty obvious. You could argue the order, perhaps. They go McDavid 1, Dreisaitl 2, and Varlamov 3. I mean, I know he's the road goalie. I might have attempted to give <laughs> You could have flipped that right upside down. Yeah, you could have flipped it right upside down. I mean, Varlamov did well. Talbot, we should mention, 28 saves, mm-hmm. made the saves he needed to to make a good good save in the final minute of regulation on a long slap shot where he might have been screened a little bit. That was uh, an important save at the time. But Varlamov, I mean, that's the thing, Rob. I mean, there's a point with the quantity of chances, and I thought the Cassian goal was a good point. Latestu centers it, actually didn't get it to where he wanted to go, but the Oilers had the puck around the net so much. Eventually, there's going to be an open chance, but Varlamov stopped two breakaways in the second period. Well, th- this is a, a lot like what we saw the other night in the Boston Bruin game. When, when, you, when the Oilers were in their zone the entire game, it seemed like eventually bad bounces were going to happen. And the Bruins capitalized on those. It wasn't their best chances they scored on. But when you, you're always around the blue paint and shot coming, eventually pucks are going to bounce in the right direction for you. And that's what we saw tonight. The Oilers' best sh- chances weren't the ones that went in. But they just there were so many chances through the first 40 minutes. Eventually, they're going to capitalize on some of them. So uh, it, it was a, an entertaining finish to the game. I think for the the first part, I, I, the Colorado Avalanche were were playing uphill, mm-hmm. but and at the end of the day, it was it was funny. We, we were talking you and I during the overtime period, you know, who we always talk about who the Oilers are going to put out next. Well, there's a number of players that aren't are not in the 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 lineup tonight, so the Oilers are kind of pressed to see who they can put out on the, their second unit. We're like, who are they going to put out third? Well, well Drysaddle and McDavid. We'll yeah, just, just keep running. Out there. And McDavid, the one shift was about a minute 15. He well, he didn't want to go off. He just eventually, they, they got a whistle and he had to change. But uh, McDavid and Drysaddle in overtime are almost unstoppable. And and I think through the course of the game, and, and the storyline was going to be McDavid, Drysaddle, and Lucic were the Oilers' number one line today against Rantanen, McKinnon, and Landeskog. And, and for the most part, the, the Oilers' top line won the matchup, though I thought McKinnon kind of led the avalanche. Even though he didn't get a goal tonight, I thought he led the resurgence once they realized they, they were a little desperate here. He did, and they actually split, split that line up. In the third period, they, they had McKinnon playing with, um, I think it was Como, and, and they had the line switched up a little bit. I just think they, they realized that they were getting beat depth players. I think right. the, the Oilers' second and third line, because they really just went three lines most of the night, they, they started taking control of the game as well, so the Colorado had to split their best big guys up. McKinnon was excellent. He could he had about four or five great scoring chances, but the one that I could not believe tonight, and I, I don't know uh, what the score was at the time, but Como was breaking down the ice with the puck on, on the boards close to the, the penalty box, and McKinnon took off from the, the top of the circle in his end and beat everyone. He is wide open in the middle of the ice. He's got a breakaway. All Como has to do is pass it to him. Como looks at him twice, 
turns and then turns back toward his own end. I'm like, okay, that's like that would be like Mark Letestu looking off Connor McDavid. You don't look off Nathan <laughs> McKinnon when he's got a breakaway. Nathan McKinnon, the show, the look on his face, like, okay, seriously, like, come on, kid, give me the puck. But McKinnon is an uh, an incredible hockey player and probably one of the few in the National Hockey League that can skate with Connor McDavid because when they are when they are both going, they are both flying. Yeah, McKinnon's had having one of those seasons where he's going to be uh, in the talk of the MVP, especially if the Avalanche get in the playoffs. The Oilers take it 3-2 tonight. We have open lines ready, 780-496-0063. We'll go to the phones in a bit. Right now, downstairs for GCL Diesel, for genuine diesel parts at great prices, visit GCL in the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Here's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. Todd, I guess, could you start with Leon and just the play he made on his goal and then the play he made in OT and just his ability to kind of change a game for you? Well, you, you summed it up pretty darn good. Um, you know, from an offensive perspective, he was a force. Um, used his body very well and accelerated out of protecting the puck where he can um, push off and create space for, for himself, uh, really, in both goals. And... Uh, no, that was nice to see. I thought that line uh, started a little bit slow and then got really good as the night went on. Leon was a big part of it. Uh, the players, a couple of the guys said that they, you know, wanted to get that back. I mean, obviously you guys had the two-goal lead, and you had the, just the stretch at the end of the second and the start of the third where you, you gave a lot back to them. Well, the, the stretch at the end of the second was um, a little bit self-inflicted. I thought we got caught a little bit long, and then we couldn't defend well. Uh, the beginning of the third was a lucky bounce. It went off a stick rate to a player. Uh, that can happen at any point in the game. That can happen five seconds after we get scored on. So I don't, I don't put that together. Uh, but the, the one at the end of the second was one that we have to learn as a team we can prevent and, and uh, one that we shouldn't have to uh, go back and earn. With uh, Maroon and Kajula out of the lineup, a chance to get a look... Uh, it seemed like uh, Slapashev and Poliarvi uh, had some jump tonight. Did you see that from those two guys? Yeah, I thought, I think you're very accurate. They both had uh, had good games. I like Jesse on the off wing. He, he's very dangerous shooting there. We talked about that this morning. And and Anton had um, had a real good night as well. And you know, we're, we're, we've been talking the last little bit. Some of those players sometimes play better away from... Um, our top players. Uh, they feel like they can command the puck a little bit more, do a little more with it, rather than think they got to give it up all the time. And I think we saw that from Jesse today. I thought Tess did a tremendous job in managing that line. And he felt comfortable handling the puck and making plays where uh, sometimes when you do play with Connor and Leon, you feel obligated to get them the puck and you're a little jittery and, and uh, maybe some of your skill doesn't come out because of it. And, um, you know, that's, that's part of being a younger player and learning what you can or can't do. All right, there's Oilers head coach Todd McClellan. They survive a comeback by the Avalanche and win 3-2 in overtime. McDavid gets the game winner. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown. So the first goal of the game early in the second period, and we have a first goal of the game winner, by the way, for the eighth time this season. Congratulations to Terry. McDavid, or Dreisaitl's looping around the offensive zone. He's, he's sort of already passed by two avalanche who were trying to check him and then he goes in against Rantanen and he puts it between his legs and cuts in awesome goal it's going to be on highlight reels we've also seen players try to do that Rob and it hits a skater they don't get through and then we get and then we get asked like why would he try the fancy play so put 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 us in dry mind there as he's cutting into the net and Rantanen's there well he's he's got control of the puck and he's got speed he's got Rantanen standing still 
He's got Rantanen, and he knows he's a forward. It's much easier to do that on a forward than it is a defenseman. Because the forward's thinking something different defensively than a defenseman was. He's in the right spot to try something like that. If you're in the neutral zone, you're in your own zone. Or somewhere by the blue line, if you're the last guy, you don't try fancy things like that. But he's in the right spot because he's deep in the offensive zone. If it doesn't go through, they have numbers back, no problem. So all those things came together, and sometimes you're just feeling it. And when you're a skilled player, you know when to pull out your A move and you know when to, to punt. And on that one there, he was feeling it. And a, a beautiful play that it just the momentum in the game was all going forward at that time for the, for the Oilers. They were controlling play. And he just took advantage of a forward in a prone position, made him look silly. And he knows what it feels like. Paddy Kane did it to him uh, a, a couple months ago. So he took full advantage of the forward being in the prone position. And then a lot of times, too, you see when a guy makes a great move, they don't finish because they're so surprised that the great move <laughs> happened that they lose their focus. And they're like in their head, like, holy smokes. And then they forget to make the next move. But he was uh, calm enough and confident enough that once he made that play, he took it to the net and put the puck in the net. So the Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. You can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Logan to the show. Hey, Logan, thanks for calling. Uh, thanks, I'm on, Reed. Yeah, go ahead, buddy. Um, that was the best line. That's... To Cassian, Mark Latestu, getting the pucks to the net, lots more poly, Jesse Poliarvi, more shots, nice for dry saddle, overtime goal. Do you guys comment on that? Well, first of all, he brought up Latestu, Cassian, and, and Poliarvi, and they, they made an impact on the game. They did. They were, they were very good. And, and we, we've talked about it many times that McDavid's line usually is going to be positive when they're on the ice, but there's sometimes where they're a positive, and by the next time they get out four, three or four shifts later, all momentum has been lost because the Oilers' second or third or fourth line will come out and momentum will turn the other way. So when the Oilers get out there with their top line, they're going uphill again. But tonight, the line of Latestu Cassian and, 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 and Spilliarvi, not only did they keep momentum going, a lot of times they created themselves. When there was a lull in the game and that line went out there, their forecheck was very good. They got pucks in deep. They got pucks to the net. They were all around the blue paint. Uh, Cassian had his Gretzky uh, impersonation going behind the net, setting plays up from behind there. And, and the biggest thing, and, and Todd alluded to it when he talked there about them, is they were confident. And that is huge. And it, it seems like it's easy to, to be, but there's some play, some days when you're on the ice and every time the puck touches your stick, it feels like a hand grenade, and it bounces. And the first play of the game you make, it's a bad play. Now you're a little tentative. Well, none of them were tentative. All of them were very uh, confident when they had the puck. They, they were very aggressive. They made plays. They created plays. And because of that, they were very successful tonight. And Logan mentioned shots on goal. 46 for the Oilers. McDavid had eight. Dreisaitl had five. I would think usually if those two guys combine for 13 shots, you should get something out of the game. Every Oiler had at least one shot except for Jujar Kara, and only two members of the Avalanche were shotless, Gabriel Bork and Duncan Siemens. Colin Wilson, who had a goal tonight, led the way with five. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Caitlin Osmond has won bronze in women's figure skating at the Olympics. And what were you saying, Rob? 27 medals now for Canada? 27 medals, more than they had at Sochi and more than they had at Vancouver. This is a new record for Canada for medals, and it ain't over yet. All right. Men's hockey will play for a medal. Yeah, got my alarm set to wake up at 2 a.m. 
Not really. I don't no. think you have to get up that early. The game I think it's four, gives it's us four. five our time. I thought it was four our time. Uh, pretty sure it's five. Oh, I was just going to stay up all night. Well, that's an, also an option, Rob. <laughs> I won't. I won't stop you. Okay, I'm going to do that. See how it goes. Three-two. <laughs> the Oilers beat the Avalanche in overtime. So the Oilers improved to 25-31 and four. Obviously, they're a long way out of the playoffs. The Avalanche go to 32-23 and five. Three points out of a playoff spot. Calgary won tonight 5-2 over Arizona. We'll update the entire Advantage Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard in a few minutes. Let's go back downstairs. The Avalanche head coach is Jared Bednar. His comments for BDO First Call Debt Solutions, Bankruptcies and Consumer Proposals, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. What's your thoughts on the entire game? I think, um, well, we're lucky to get a point. That's my thoughts on it. Bench and Z there in the third period and after the second. Uh, how did that all come about? His turnover there? No, it's not It's not one play. It's just we have expectations for guys to play to a certain level and they're expected to play that level and he wasn't playing to it. So, you know, we decided to not play him. We had other guys playing better and to be honest, we had we had too many guys like that tonight. Like the, the bench was probably too short for time of the year that we're in, and um, so it wasn't it wasn't a great game by us. You know, I think I think they had a good game. I don't I don't think we did. So for me, I think we're we're lucky to get a point out of that one tonight. It just wasn't a wasn't a great all around team effort for us. Barely did make some. Made some big saves for sure, and and you know what? Like we we found a little traction in the second period. It wasn't all bad. Like we had, we we had two or three pucks that we took to the net, and we attacked the net and snuck through uh, Talbot, and they were laying right there, and we were we were trying to get the job done, and um, we find a way to like crawl back into it and and take it to overtime. But it's a, it, it it wasn't a good enough you know, all-around team effort committed to the way we have to play for this time of the year. And, and to me, it wasn't everyone, but we had too many passengers tonight. Okay, thank you, Jared. Thanks. Jared Bednar is the coach of the Colorado Avalanche, and I, I think they're, they are a better team than what, what they showed tonight, especially through the first 35 minutes. I mean, you always, you know, I mean, look, we talk mostly about what the Oilers do, um, but the first period, Edmonton attacked, forechecked, Colorado also was not efficient with the puck they, they couldn't break out they gave the puck away a lot we mentioned they woke up when they were uh, when they were down two nothing but you could tell Bednar disappointed that they didn't get the effort that they that they wanted to, to try to climb up in the standings a bit well when you you look at the, who they're playing I mean they're playing a team that's near the bottom of the standings the Colorado Avalanche desperate for points they're they're just on the outside of the playoff cut right now so when you, you're thinking of games that you must win I mean, you always must win games against the teams below you in the standings. Now, the, I don't know if the Oilers are a typical team that's fourth worst in the National Hockey League, wherever they are in standing-wise. Uh, I think they've just underachieved, and, and we've seen as of late they're playing better. But still, Colorado needs these points much more than the Edmonton Oilers do. But through the first 35 minutes, the Edmonton Oilers were the team that played like they were desperate for points. 3-2, the Oilers take it in overtime. On the overtime goal, Dreisaitl has it inside the blue line starting from the left side gets to right to the top sharp left turn Girard's on him and 
I mean, I think people will know the Marshawn Lynch beast mode touchdown for Seattle a few years ago when he tossed a couple of guys aside. That's what Dreisaitl did to Girard. He just threw him away. Well, it's, you forget when when you see the skill level that that Leon has uh, and his vision on the ice, you forget about like, he he's a monster. Like he is a big, strong man, and that's why. Uh, a lot of fans in Edmonton are excited uh, for the future when the Oilers put him back at center, and now they have a one-two punch where they got the flash of McDavid and the brute force uh, uh, of Leon. But tonight it was in full force what he's capable of doing with uh, just the physical part of the game. And Gerard, who's a smaller defenseman, scored a goal and had a nice game. Yep. But uh, at, at, he's going to learn. He's still a young player. He's going to learn. There's players you engage with, and there's players that you don't. That's a battle he's not going to win. And Leon wants that. Gerard's strength is his skating ability. So he, if he just stays around Leon, just keeps him to the outside, he's done his job. As soon as he engages him, and what he's trying to do, he saw that Leon was up at the blue line. His, the two other Oilers were down deep. If he pokes that by, he knows he's got the speed to get a breakaway. But it's a, a risk-reward type of thing, and the risk was if he gets knocked down and the reward went to Leon because he walked in. And then again, he had two guys come to him. And they were good. one was getting a hooking penalty. He, the ref had his hand up. He still had the strength to fight that off. And he was going back door to Connor McDavid. Varlamov could have stood and faced Connor McDavid and given the open net to Leon Dreisaitl. Leon was not looking to shoot at all. And Connor McDavid, of course, made no mistake. Dreisaitl up to 54 points in 56 games. McDavid has 71 in 60. Cassian also scored tonight. Oilers 3, Avalanche 2 in overtime. 780-496-0063. We'll bring Michael onto the show. Good evening, Michael. Hi, Robin Reed. Um, Long-time Oilers. I'm uh, calling from China uh, this morning. Oh, this wow. Smokes. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I actually took 10 years off. Uh, those are the losing years, but nothing. I'm back into it, and uh, I've got a. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty pumped about about the team. I've got a, a comment. I just want to hear what you guys think uh, about uh, star center alternate double shifting. Is what I've called it. So, McDavid uh, centering the dry side along one line, then Nugent's from and the first set put McDavid at the center of the fourth line. And then the second time round put dry line. Uh, I wonder if you guys think they could, you okay. know, in their youth, through, you know, just uh, uh, have a through the game for that. Okay, so, Michael, you were cutting out a bit, but are you, you saying dress 11 forwards and McDavid and Dreisaitl take turns as the extra shift on the fourth line? Exactly. Yeah, so I, I'd call that star center alternate double shift. Okay. Yeah, no, uh, well, it's funny. In, in minor hockey around Alberta, you have 11 forwards. Right. And that's what most, most teams do is their fourth line, the two players on their fourth line, their best one or two players will continue throughout the game double shifting and get them out as much as possible. You will see that on a, teams that have a, a big man, a, a, a type of fighter on their fourth line who doesn't get a lot of ice time. You'll see when they go out there, it's usually he'll sit on the bench and the other team will put their best players out. Um, it, it's a good idea. I, I don't think that uh, Todd McClellan has to be pressured into giving ice time to Dreisaitl and, and McDavid. McDavid played 23 and a half today, as did Leon Dreisaitl. So they both played a ton in this hockey game tonight, and they are always going to find ice time for them. 
I'm trying to think. McKinnon played 22. So they played a minute 40 more than McKinnon did. And McKinnon is by far Colorado's best player. But, yeah, when you have stars on your on your team, when you've got guys that can change the game each and every shift they step out there, then you want to find them as much ice time as possible. And most nights, Todd does find those, the ice time for those two players. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime as we check the advantage trailer rentals out of town scoreboard. The Flames get a 5-2 win over Arizona. Monaghan is 28th. Kachuk is 24th. Dallas and L.A. scoreless after two. The Oilers are in L.A. on Saturday. The Maple Leafs edge the Islanders 4-3 in a shootout. Rob, we've said it. All year long, the Islanders, I mean, they're, they're in a playoff hunt. They're close, uh, trouble preventing goals. I mean, they had a lead in that game, couldn't hang on to well, it. Well, they score as, as well as any team in the National Hockey League. They've got two fantastic lines with Tavares on one and Barzell on the other. But when it comes to defending, and when you know when it gets down to the last 10, 15 games of the season, you've got to be able to win a one-goal game. You've got to have the ability to win 2-1. I don't know if they're capable of doing that. Taylor Hall extends his point streak to 20 games with his 26th goal of the season. However, the Devils lose 4-2 to the Minnesota Wild. The Flyers, who are doing pretty well lately, edge the Columbus Blue Jackets 2-1. Nolan Patrick gets his eighth of the season. Montreal, despite shutting down Shea, well, they haven't had him for a while, but they they announced today they're shutting him down for the season. Price out with a concussion. Niemi in goal. Canadians beat the Rangers 3-1. The Rangers trade Grabner to the Devils for a second-round pick and a prospect. Grabner, with 25 goals on the season, is probably going to have 30-plus goals this year. That's a a big player that the the New Jersey Devils have picked up. They're fighting for a playoff spot. You know, Grabner was held out of the game tonight. Rick Nash Nash was was held out of the game, so you got to think something's happening with there. The other one you talked about, the Philadelphia Flyers, they're in a playoff spot now. Remember how bad a start to the season they had? And they have fought it back. They have got... Uh, two of the hottest players in the National Hockey League playing with them too is Giroux and Voracek are up near the top in the scoring. It seems like every time you open up a, a stats page, Giroux's had one or two points each and every night. So that's a team, the Philadelphia Flyers. Wouldn't it be great to see them play against the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first <laughs> yeah, round Yeah, you again? know all about that, don't you? I've seen, well, which I've goalie's played... going to chase which player? <laughs> hey, he never caught me, okay? <laughs> I had a bit of a head start. He stumbled once. <laughs> I still beat him. The Lightning win over the Senators 4-3, 41st win of the season for the Lightning. The Sabres edge the Red Wings 3-2 in overtime. Scandella's OT winner officially listed at 459 of overtime. Panthers edge the Capitals 3-2, and the Predators hammer the Sharks tonight. 7-1 is your final. Here at Rogers Place, Oilers 3, Avalanche 2 in overtime. That means a $75 donation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world, to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. $25 for every goal throughout the season. The total is on the Oilers' page on 630ched.com. Okay, we have Tony on the open line. Tony, thank you very much for calling. Go ahead. How are you guys doing tonight? Good, man. So I have a question for you guys. Um, and I'm telling you, I'm going to say this because season's over. Sorry, but it is. Um, next season, you know, we have quite a number of prospects who are actually really good, like JP, and there's so many of them, right? Okay, wh- if- lots of prospects. Who are you talking about with their prospects? Uh, J- well, JP is going to be phenomenal once it, once he gets up there. Y- Yamamoto has proven that he can still play after what? I think it's 13 points and it's since he's come back or whatever from the World Juniors. Do you think that if, um, do you think that next season Yamamoto should maybe go on the same line, like in the top two and maybe bump one of the 
guy that we've had because Yamamoto, he may be a small guy, but he doesn't play like a small guy. He will take a hit if he needs to. Well, I, I don't think you can make any calls on what, what Yamamoto does next year until you see him at training camp and then an exhibition season and then start the year. Um, he's an incredibly talented player. He's got unbelievable vision on the ice. But again, he, I don't think you want to start counting you know, counting these players in as being part of the team next year until you see what they do. It's, it's a st- there's a huge jump from junior to the National Hockey League. And at some point, he is going to be a very good player for the Oilers, and that's what we hope. But I don't think you put him in just because of what he's done in junior. He's got to prove it. And if if he's not ready, put him down in the minors. There's nothing wrong with him starting in the minors. Uh, And I don't even know, can he play in the minors next year? He can next year. So next year, you can go down the minors and and start down there and and hone his craft. Because it's not just about the offensive part. He's got to learn how to play through the neutral zone, play well in his own zone. He's got to learn all of those things. So I think we're a long ways away from starting to pick who's playing with who next year to start the season. No, I was just wondering because I I think that, you know, because I know JP's going to be dynamic as soon as he learns to uh, somewhat read the play. I just wanted to know if you guys think that you know maybe next year you know with the team that with all the prospects that we that we that we have or whatever that our team might actually look better than what they have this year. Well, the well, the others should be better next year because I think I I think last year they they overachieved. I think this year they vastly underachieved. I think the others are somewhere in between. Because of that, I believe the Oilers will be better next year. But they do have to do some work in the summer. They have they have to fill some holes because the the holes have been badly ex- exposed this year. And there's there's areas that this team needs to clean up on if it wants to not only make the playoffs but challenged for divisions, challenged for the conference. And right now they're a long way away from that. And forward wise, the Yamamoto is the only prospect that could possibly. I mean, Puljujarvi's here. I understand what Tony's saying. Hopefully, he's he's on one of the top two lines. Hope so. Um, I know Bob. We're talking about some of the other forwards on on the faceoff show, but those guys aren't here next year. Ma- no. Maximoff or, or Safin or guys like that, no. or they're not here next year. So uh, they'll they'll need to fill some holes. Certainly with some speed. Maybe that's how someone can help on the PK. By the way, the PK's killed off uh, eleven in a row. Last four games. And look, and this Colorado Avalanche power play scored five goals last game against the Vancouver Canucks in, in a win in Vancouver. So uh, it, it, they've got some talent and, and to win. And we've talked about it all year long. To win, you have to have good specialty teams and good goaltending. Tonight, the penalty kill was very good, and so was the goaltender. Oilers take it 3-2 in OT. Little mini run of success for the PK or adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. Okay, 7804960063. We'll bring Brian onto overtime open line. Hey, Brian. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. Uh, I was, I was just going to ask a question about uh, Benson, Tyler Benson down at the, the yep. Miners. In yeah, Vancouver. In yeah. Vancouver, yeah. Vancouver, yeah, he's in Vancouver. Uh, um, he's been staying relatively healthy, uh, from what I hear, uh, the last while. Um, what is the like? What do you think his odds are making the Oilers next year if he stays healthy? I, I say he's got no chance. I would say very doubtful. I yeah. don't. I, I think that again, he, he's a guy that's missed a lot of hockey time because of injuries and a whole type of different type of injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I think he, he's finally getting healthy. Um, uh, from what I've heard, playing very well. Got 55 points in 46 yeah, games. So he did miss some games earlier yeah, in the so year. Yeah, so he's playing well, but he's a guy that's going to come up, go down, play in the minors, 
uh, learn the pro game, try to stay stay healthy at the pro level, and he'll get a chance. He's again, he, he's a skilled player. He sees the ice very well. Uh, I think his size is 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 fairly good. He's he's thick. He's yeah. 5'11", 200. Oh, well, he's been two five eleven two hundred since Bantam. He was always <laughs> a big kid. But no, so yeah. again, uh, I, I I don't think you're not going to see him making the team next year. But he's a guy that some sometime down the future, hopefully, will be one of those players in uh, in a round outside of the first that that makes his name here in Edmonton and becomes an Oiler. Um. Yeah, and then the other, the other point I was going to make is uh, I, I kind of question if uh, Talbot's strong enough to be our number one. Like, I'm, I'm sure he'll be our number one goalie next year, but do we not need a better backup goalie to oh, maybe push him? Well, they, they're, they're going to see what they have in Montoya, who's probably he's a more experienced backup than Brassois, and he certainly has had a better career than than Gustafson or Nielsen for the most part. He is under contract for next season, Brian, so I, I would think he'll get a few games between now and the end of the year, probably one on the weekend, and they'll see what they have because, I mean, he's a guy that you can trade or, or buy out or even bury in the minors if you don't think so. Uh, I do agree. The Oilers in general over the last, well, many years, I mean, there were years they didn't really have a starter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I think Talbot will bounce back. He's played, you know, four, four good games in a row, I guess. Yep. So you know, solid where he's looked like his old self. He's Is probably- Montoya the answer at backup? I mean, I don't know. I, again, at least he's got more experience than some of the other guys that have, and he's really only played two games. Uh, he had a, a really good game when he played most of the game relieving in Arizona, mm-hmm. and then he played the other overtime, the other, the other overtime game against Colorado when they lost, and he was okay. He made a mistake on that one yeah. goal. I, 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 Talbot will be their starter next year, uh, and the Oilers are banking on him being more like the goalie they had last year and less like the go- goalie they had for the first half of this year. Thanks, Brian. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. The Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. We miss out on the Japanese Village goal light. However, the Oilers have to get five or more in a game for us to turn that on then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer Japanese Village three locations in Edmonton downtown south side and north side okay we have Robert standing by hey Robert thanks for calling uh, hey guys how you doing tonight pretty good uh, I have a I have a question for Rob tonight and and, uh, and, uh, and as, and as uh, I've heard heard the potential of the Oilers Maybe trading for Carlson to me that seems highly unlikely. No, it but is. It is, gonna... it is highly unlikely, Robert. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, We're just uh, we just BS about it. I don't. I don't think it, it's going to happen. Yeah, but no, but yeah, but no, but no, but no, but no. But my my second question is is regarding on what's going to happen at the trade deadline and maybe potential potentially into the off season. My other question is: Do you think if Nuge? wasn't injured, would would Nuge likely possibly be a target for teams at the trade deadline? I, I don't think so, mainly because, what's he got, three years left, four years left at $6 million. Most of the players that move at the deadline are, are guys whose contracts are expiring. Teams that are in a playoff push or have aspirations of winning a Stanley Cup are adding someone just for the final you know 20 games in a playoff run that's all they want them for because most of the best teams right now are are up to the cap they, they can't afford to take on a contract like Nugent Hopkins when a player uh, of his caliber and of his contract would be moved if he's moved after the season's over up leading up to the draft I think the Oilers have some some salary cap issues 
and they have some holes to fill in their lineup. And if whatever, if you're looking to get something back, something that can change the complexion of your team, uh, I don't. I would not want to see Ryan Nugent Hopkins traded, but he would bring the biggest haul back, I believe, of the players that the Oilers would think about trading. Yeah, I still hope they don't. I hope they don't. Too. I mean, they have. As as much as there's weaknesses on the roster, we've seen how much worse it is when you don't have any any centers. Yeah, I, I agree. And McDavid and Drysaitel are going to play together, and, and who knows how well, often they know you'd have them. I'd have them together You'd all the time. The well, until time. they find someone that can play at the, uh, w- with Connor McDavid, and they don't have anyone in the organization yet that can do that. But um, but Ryan Nugent Hopkins would be the most attractive player that the Oilers could dangle to anyone else if they want to feel needs like a power play number two or three defenseman or a goal-scoring winger. But again, the Oilers aren't that deep, so anytime they trade a player away to fill a hole, they're probably creating another. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Mark Letestu had an assist tonight. His comments for GCL Diesel for genuine diesel parts at great prices. Visit GCL in the West End or online at gcldiesel.com. Seems like a lot of different ways, three on three. Normally it's it's Connor's speed and uh, you know just able to beat a guy. Uh, tonight you see Leon uh, just, just strength on the puck. You know, guys can't handle him. Uh, when you're that good, you find a lot of different ways to, to finish a play, and they did again tonight. A little bit about winning. Just, I, I know what it feels like, but just maybe considering what you guys have gone through recently. Well, there's there's always something to play for. I mean, I feel like times like this can be really revealing. You know, I think the guys that still show up when, you know, for each other, not necessarily the standings, but show up for each other and play for each other. I think that can be revealing at times. So it's good to see the guys haven't packed it in. Uh, it was a good effort. You know, one through twenty, and hopefully it continues that way throughout the rest of the year. Not sure if you want to talk about this or call it on it now, Mark, but it might have been your last game, I guess, on home ice. What did it mean to you if it does, if a trade does happen, to play uh, for the Edmonton fans? Yeah, it was, it was, it's always been enjoyable. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to, not to think of, you know, that way. Uh, but it, it was great. Uh, you know, kids were in the stands tonight, so it was, it's always nice to have that there. Uh, but uh, I'm hoping to stay. Uh, it's just sometimes that the business side of the game takes over and, and things happen. But uh, if this is the last one, uh, it's a good one. Great. That's Mark Letestu. All right, Brendan Ulrich talking to Mark Letestu. Obviously, he and Patrick Maroon, the most likely Edmonton Oilers to be traded by Monday at 1. Well, I would think so, being unrestricted free agents. And then what they're... Uh, capabilities of and abilities that they take somewhere else. I mean, Maroon, you get a guy that can play in your top six. He's proven he can score when playing with top players. He's a big, strong body. I, I think consistency is a little bit uh, part of his, or inconsistency is part of his, his game right now, but you just want him for a short term and, and see if he can help you know, cross that, that, that line, that, that finish line of a Stanley Cup. And then when you got Letestu, he's a guy that has shown he can play on the power play, he can play on the penalty kill, he can be on your fourth line, and he wins more face-offs than he loses, and he's a right-handed shot. So he's, he ticks off a lot of different boxes there for a team looking for someone. I don't think the the cachet or what you're getting back for Letestu is going to be great, but... Who knows? You get a, a, a mid-round draft pick or something along that line. Maybe that's the one you hit a home run on. So uh, I do believe that uh, both those players will be gone at some point before Monday. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Kyle is the winner of Faceoff Trivia, a $50 gift card to Buffet Royale Carvery, brought to you by Armor Insurance. Protect your car, home, and business with Armor at armorinsurance.ca. He knew that the Brooks Bandits was Kale McCarr's AJHL team 
fourth overall last year to the Colorado Avalanche. Bacon Man is up next on the phone line. You'll also hear from Connor McDavid, who scored the overtime winner. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line. Now from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Mix and match a little bit when it comes to his bottom six. Laser down the middle of the ice, and now one time on that by Colin Wilson. Save made by Talbot on the rebound shot. Low glove, but wide. Cam Talbot gets the win. That's his save of the game for Arcan Trailer and RV Center, Alberta's favorite award-winning RV dealership for over 40 years. Talbot makes 28 stops. Oilers win 3-2 in overtime. Semyon Varlamov outstanding for the Avs. He made 43 saves. His remarks for BDO, first call debt solutions, bankruptcies and consumer proposals, licensed insolvency trustees. But, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, should I say, like, we... Maybe about the point. Yeah, I mean, the point uh, is always good, you know, but we need two points. You know, we we know where we're at in standing. We know where we're battling uh, for the playoffs. So for us, like, the best in the best scenario when we get a two points. What was your focus like in that first period when the Oilers were shooting from the water? Uh, when you play against uh, Edmonton, uh, you know you're going to face uh, lots of shots. Um, they... The structure, I mean, the, the, the team, like, who like, just shooting from everywhere, so you got to stay focused uh, all the time because you never know uh, where they're going to shoot from, so. They seem to have a lot of space out there, especially for guys like uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid. Yeah, you know, those guys, they're very skilled, like McDavid, Dreisaitl, their, their lineup is, uh, I would say, one of the best in the league, and then uh, you cannot let them... Uh, make those chances in our in our zone um, i think we give up uh, too many chances today and then that's what we, we pay for thanks for this yeah. all right thanks to scott johnson work in the avalanche dressing room tonight varlamov excellent but his team settles for a single point Oilers beat the Avs 3-2 in overtime. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, eight stories above the ice at Rogers Place. You can get us at 780-496-0063. Bacon Man is on the line. Bacon Man, haven't heard from you in a while. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, Reed, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, Browner, how are you doing? Doing very good tonight. Yeah, I'm a little sober tonight, so I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick and coherent. Um, I'll start off with a comment. I heard what it takes to win, and I'm just Again, I, last time I called in, um, I don't need a reply on this. I'm extremely disappointed with the fans, um, the the noise we make in that arena. I called in the beginning of the year. What a joke I think it is, uh, how no one uh, makes any noise, how everyone sits on their hands. I was told excuses, excuses. I saw the Boston game, and, and I almost threw up seeing how many Boston Bruins fans' jerseys were in our barn. Uh, sitting around the penalty box. Um, uh, total embarrassment, especially when I saw the women's hockey game last night when we had some of our athletes cheering their butts off, cheering for our our team uh, live, right? So, uh, uh, I, I, honestly, uh, winning comes from both sides. It comes from the fans cheering on at home. It comes from the team winning on the ice. So that's just my, my, my say there. You guys can comment on that later. Uh, the real question I have is uh, no fans, it seems, actually realize that the Oilers have a joke for uh, 
for our farm system. We have no prospects. We have zero. We have we have no one. Well, we do no, Bakeman. We said that earlier. There's no one on the farm who's likely going to be on the team next year. There, there, there is no one. And 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 it's, it's. I love hockey to death, but I'm a huge baseball fan. And it's only in hockey where we can't sell anything to get anything, right? So we're we're stuck with what we have. Um, I but what I'm suggesting here's my question is uh, guys are like, oh, we can draft. We're going to get in a top five uh, pick next year. Um, how How is that uh, paid off for us? Well, it hasn't because they haven't drafted. They, horrible. Because they haven't drafted well enough later on, Bacon Man, and we've actually been talking about that that quite a bit lately in an earlier caller. We haven't caller. drafted anyone. Uh, the, the only time a draft pick is as high as it is is before you actually pick the player. It will never be higher. As soon as you pick the player, the draft pick is worthless. So I say we 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 trade every friggin' draft pick we have. We trade everything, every first round pick, everything. You give me a player that can play in the NHL. Give me give me someone. Let's let's treat it like the Golden Knights did. You give me uh, your worst player on your team for for my second round pick. At least he can play. All right. right? Uh, Thanks, Bacon Man. We appreciate it, buddy. 10-37. Oilers knock off the Avalanche 3-2 in overtime. You'll hear from the OT goal scorer, Connor McDavid, when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, this is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We'll kick it to dry subtle. Coming off the right half boards, creating space. High slot. Now he's open left circle. Drag move of beauty. A backgainer score. Leon Drysaddle. What an exhibition of offensive prowess. It's 1-0 Edmonton. Drysaddle's 18th of the year. That was a beauty. Open the scoring 245 into the second period. Drysaddle would make another great play to set up McDavid in overtime. Oilers down the avalanche. 3-2. We're looking for somebody to finish the play if you like winning stuff at 780-496-0063. In the meantime, back down to the Oilers dressing room. Here's Captain Connor McDavid. We saw a uh, couple of skill plays from Leon tonight, Connor. Maybe just put it in perspective, the level of skill that he can show. Oh, he's, he's one of the best players in the world and you know, he showed that last year and um, you know, he's really come on here in the last little bit. and He's been playing great hockey and um, he's very good tonight. Can you guys go on in overtime? Do you, do you have to talk much about what you guys might do, or is it just such a nice flow between the two of you? You just sort of read off. Of no, we've done it. We've done it so long now. Um, we've played together on three on three, basically every shift. So, uh, you know, we know what uh, what to expect and you know what to look for and, and that type of thing. Um, yeah. It seemed like late in this game, you guys really wanted this one back because you had the lead and then you had the maybe two minute letdown there into the second, early third. Yeah. Um, that's definitely fair. Uh, you look at what happened last game against Boston. We're up two going into the third and let that one slide. And um, you know, we're up two again today. And we'll give up that late one in the second, early in the third. And um, you know, we can't let, the, let those ones get away. Lots was made of the matchup against the McKinnon line. Uh, nice to get the best of them tonight. Um, yeah, it's always good to go up against the, the league's best and, and that line. And, and McKinnon especially is, is definitely that. Uh, he's one of the league's best. And you know, it's always fun to challenge yourself against those type of guys. 
read that. So, Connor McDavid. All right, thanks, Brendan. So, McDavid, a goal and an assist, 71 points in 60 games on the season. Drysaddle also 1-1. One and one. He has 54 and 56. Won't play all 82 games like he did last year, but might finish with a higher points-per-game average. Mike is on the line. He's looking to win an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit jetsetparking.com. Mike, but before we finish the play, what's your question? Uh, yes. Hey, Rob Reed. Hey. Hi, I had a question with Rob. He made a comment earlier that there were some holes in the franchise that were recognized. I just wanted to know if when he thought those holes were recognized as a person that sees the team every day. When, when did we recognize them? I mean, like... Yeah. Well, I think at the beginning of the season, before uh, the season began, Reed and I sat down, and I know he had sat down with Bob and Jack, and they were trying to discuss what the, where the Oilers would be in the standings. And we talked about the needs of the team, and we felt that the Oilers were lacking a power play defenseman, one with a big shot. We talked about the fact that we really felt that they were thin on the wins with offensive players. They needed guys that could score, and, and over the last couple of years, they lost a few of those players. You know, in an Aberley in a hall, and we didn't feel that they had filled those spots yet. They were hoping that a Pulley that a Yamamoto eventually will become those guys and maybe surpass. But we, we talked about it. So at the beginning of the season, we knew that uh, they needed a, a top end power play defenseman and wingers to complement the three centermen that they have. Oh, okay. Do you think that, that we went too big? And not enough speed then is well, another it, it appears comment? that way this year. Yeah. 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 But okay, I mean all, they were they were also a team that got pushed around a lot, right? And last year they won 40, mm-hmm. 46 or forty seven games. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying. Of, I mean I, I didn't I, I know a lot of people picked them to win the Stanley Cup. I did not. I did not pick them to win the West, but I thought they would I honestly thought they could finish first in the Pacific. So. I thought, I, in the beginning of the year, I thought that they would not be near as good as they were in the regular season, but I certainly thought they would be a playoff hockey team. Yeah. So they've, yeah, me also. I, they've certainly underachieved. All right, Mike, let's finish the play. Kellen, what's the clue? Avalanche, again, just one shot away from tying this, but here, Barry had a blocked shot. It's Slepeshev on a breakaway to the net. Reshot. shot Slepeshev breakaway. Did he score? No. Save. Avalanche, again, just one shot away from tying this, but here, Barry had a blocked shot. It's Slepeshev on a breakaway to the net. Wrist shot, denied! Varlamov with a glove save against his countrymen. All right, Mike is the winner. Finish the play. Varlamov did everything he could. Yeah, Slepeshev had a good game today. He had a couple another couple scoring chances tonight. Uh, he needs to do be able to do it on a consistent basis. If he does it consistently, he'll find more ice time and uh, again, he's there's going to be players auditioning here over the last 20 some games, auditioning for 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 contracts, auditioning to be part of this franchise going forward. He is certainly in that boat. How about that hit by Larson with about three minutes left on Jost along the wall? <laughs> yeah, and, and I, 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 I'm a good friends of the Jost family, and I know that they had a whole group of them here today, and uh, they saw Jost get absolutely hammered. It was funny. We've seen a, a number of times this year where the puck will get pushed in and you'll push you'll hit the guy or you'll take the rub the guy out and they'll call interference penalties that one when you show when they showed it from the other side the puck was about 15 feet behind larson when he hit jost but he hit jost hard really really hard 
credit to the kid. He got up. Actually, I thought Jost. He's a good player. Good player. I thought he had an excellent game tonight. I thought he was one of the better players. And as the game went on, he got more and more ice time for Colorado. But yeah, the one thing that Larson can do is he can snuff out chances with uh, with, with body with huge body checks, and that was a big one he threw tonight. The Oilers take it 3-2 in overtime. It's 10:48. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat. In overtime, Edmonton 3, Colorado 2. McDavid the winner on a brilliant setup from Dreisaitl. Let's go to the phone lines. Rihanna is calling in again. Rihanna, good to hear from you. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Yeah, I thought I'd call back. I heard, Rob, that you like my music. so uh, (laughs) Huge fan. Huge fan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so that was another late night of exciting hockey on the East Coast. Uh, I told you last time I live in Boston, and... uh, so last night I stayed up till 2.30 watching the Canada-U.S. game, and tonight I'm up till 1 watching the Oilers, and I'm glad they pulled out the win. I thought it was going to be another uh, Bruins-style uh, debacle. That was that was brutal for me living in Boston, watching you know Boston come back and you know kick our kick our butts wicked hard. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to hear the end of that for my team. But I just had a couple of comments kind of unrelated to the game, one of which was I want to commend the Oilers for spearheading the, you know, Hockey is for Everyone uh, initiative with Andrew Ferentz, you know, doing what he did. I just i am so proud of our of our team for doing that. And as an Aboriginal woman, you know, there's, I, there's not a lot of uh, role models. There wasn't a lot of role models for me growing up. But, you know, this year we had the first Aboriginal woman on the Canadian team. And, you know, that's just that's the kind of thing we need in the game. It's, it's all about it should be all about in, inclusion. So really proud of the Oilers for that. And, uh, and speaking of the game, the, the Canada U.S., you know, as someone who's living in the in the U.S. right now, I, I think that the U.S. winning gold was actually probably one of the best things that could happen for women's hockey here because, you know, it's just exploding. And, and you know, the market here is huge. And uh, we got the NWHL going on here. And, you know, uh, and so I think that, to see all the excitement here for the women's hockey, I'm really, I'm really happy for them. I mean, it was a little painful watching Zabados get get burned on that. <laughs> As a goalie myself, that was painful. I lost in a shootout a few, you know, last weekend in a tournament, so I feel her pain. And maybe we should just get her as our backup, and that'll make everything better. <laughs> well, she what is she is the best women's goalie that's ever played, and an unbelievable goal by by I think it was Lamoureux. Lamoureux got scored. the It was up. unreal. Um, I, for, on your first point, Andrew Ference is as good as anyone that has ever played the National Hockey League in what he does in the community, and uh, I commend him for everything he's doing right now with with uh, with the new with all the stuff that he's doing, and we saw it here tonight. Uh, and as far as Canada, you know what? I'm glad it's exploded in the United States, but I still would have preferred the Canadians win the gold medal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rihanna, great to hear from you, okay? Thank you. Thank you. That is Rihanna calling in tonight. The Oilers beat the Avalanche 3-2 in overtime. Dreisaitl, outstanding. McDavid, outstanding. Verlamov, uh, outstanding. A lot of good performances in this game. The Oilers able to survive a Colorado comeback and win it 3-2. On the road again at Los Angeles on Saturday. Special two-hour face-off show will start at 6. The game will be at 8. Uh, we expect to hear from Peter Shirelli tomorrow morning, Rob. So a bit of a trade deadline preview from him. Well, I'm not sure he's going to tip his hand totally, but I think... <laughs> I think uh, if you are an Oilers fan and you're and you're in in tune with what's going on, you know the next few days are going to be kind of exciting. A lot going on. Players coming, or there'll be players leaving, and we'll see if there's anything coming back. 
That is Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our engineer at Rogers Place, and to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer, back at 6.30. Chad, Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Get more on the Oilers and the Eskimos on 630Ched.com. Edmonton 3-2 over the Avs in overtime. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. Have a great night.